You already know what time it is, family. I have been waiting on you, and I hope that you have been waiting for our time together on this beautiful Sunday night, the first day of the month. Can y'all believe it's November already? It's like 2020 was like January, February, quarantine, happy holidays. <laughs> this year just went by. <laughs> so listen, I, I believe that we have a word for you. Um, I say that every week. It's because I believe it every week. You don't want to hear a Google plagiarized message. You want to hear a word. So I believe we have a word for your life because it has personally blessed my life. Now listen, our foundational text, I couldn't break it up. I tried to break it up, and for the time that we have together, I'm going to try to exegete this and dissect it, but I'm going to have to give you all of it so that you guys can know the backdrop of tonight's preaching presentation, and I'm excited. Go ahead and take your screenshot, tag us, let us know where you are in the world, and if you have been here for all 10 weeks of the Cuffing Season series, or if you're a first-timer. Last week, we had a whole lot of first-timers. Welcome, first-timers. We are honored that you have joined us for this time, and I pray that God will speak directly to you. So let's get to work. Jonah chapter 1. Jonah chapter 1, we're going to launch our reading at verse 1. There's a little length to it, but it's good, all right? Jonah chapter 1, verse 1. It says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for the port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Somebody say, bad idea. Bad idea. Bad idea. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea and such a violent storm arose that the sh that the ship threatened to break up all the sailors were afraid each cried out to his own god and they threw cargo into the sea to lighten the ship but jonah had gone below deck where he laid down and fell into a deep sleep the captain went to him and said how can you sleep Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. Pause. Anytime somebody who doesn't know God tells you you need to pray to your God, you might want to listen. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever been in a situation like that. I remember I was in the college. I was in college and I was in the club. And there was a dude who just rolled up on me and was like, you don't even look like you belong here. You don't even look like you're having fun. You don't even look like you're having a good time. Anytime somebody who does not know the Lord tells you to talk to the Lord, that's probably a sign that the Lord is trying to get your attention. Then the sailors said to each other, come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, tell us. Who is responsible for making all of this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what are you people? These brothers had questions. <laughs> he answered, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. This terrified them, and they asked, what have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because... He had already told them so. We're going to bother that later. Then the sea was getting rougher and rougher. 
So they asked him, what should we do? What should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that this is my fault, that a great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Then they cried out to the Lord, please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. This is so good, y'all. They went from other gods to praying to his God. <laughs> Lord, um, listen, do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, Lord, have done as you please. Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. A clause of concern and the verse that I believe is going to serve us well for the time that we have together on tonight lives and takes residence in verse 15. Then they took Jonah, threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. And I think the question on the floor, the quintessential question that we have to ask ourselves on tonight is which one are you throwing overboard, your cargo or your Jonah? So God, we pray that you join us for this time. Give us a now word, a word in season so that we can be your billboard and our life could be a love campaign of the gospel. All the study means nothing if you are magnified and if you aren't glorified. And as usual, God, use me as your oracle, the PA system, the soundtrack of heaven. I pray that it is so in Jesus' name. And everybody who agrees with that prayer, would you drop in the room, amen. 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 Then they took Jonah, threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. I want to get straight to work on tonight. Let's speak around this thought from this subject for part 10 of this cuffing season series. You've got to go. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. You've got to go. Listen, I need everybody to drop this in the room. You don't have to go home, but you got to get the heaven up out of here. You have got to go. <laughs> you have got to go. Ever since you have arrived, turbulence has arrived. You have got to go. Ever since you have arrived, heartaches have arrived. You have got to go. Ever since you have arrived, I started to question my standards. You have got to go. I've started to question my worth. You have got to go. You ain't got to go home, bro. You ain't got to go home, sis, but you got to get the heaven up out of here. <laughs> you have got to go. Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, there is nothing more dangerous and deleterious to the well-being and welfare of a man or of a woman when you cannot discern when something has to go. It is dangerous when you and I, when a man and a woman, they can't discern when something has to go. In fact, right now, one of the most beautiful parts of fall the season that we're currently in, one of the most beautiful things about autumn is it's God's design so that nature and the trees can model to you how beautiful it is to let things go. If you go outside right now, there is a tree that's letting you know this is the season where I let things go. Because there is a time for everything under the sun. And on tonight, I want to help you. 
I want to help you and I want to serve you so that you can have spiritual maturity, so that you can identify when this ending is critical for my destiny. Because I cannot take destiny steps with toxic people. Yes, here we go. I cannot take destiny steps. Listen, I told y'all, every week of this cupping season series, I want it to be an investment in your soul care. And I want you to have spiritual maturity, and I want you to have spiritual strength so that you can identify when this thing ending right here is necessary for my destiny. Because I cannot take destiny steps with toxic people. Being able to discern that which has expired is tied to sick prevention. How long I've been up here? We going in like, have I been up here seven minutes yet? You being able to identify expiration dates when a relationship has expired, when a thought pattern has expired, when a location has expired, when a community has expired. You being able to identify expiration dates is tied to sick prevention. Your discernment in this area is you taking preventative measures to make sure that your soul doesn't get sick. Because we will always experience soul poisoning anytime we are consuming things that have been left out. Did y'all hear what I just said? (laughs) We will always experience soul poisoning when we attempt to consume things that God has deliberately left out. Just like I would not encourage you to eat a plate that has been left out all day and all night because of the risk of food poisoning, I highly encourage you to not try to consume something that God has deliberately left out of this season for your life. Because listen, sometimes God leaves things out is divine. I'm leaving this relationship out on purpose for your purpose. I'm leaving it out of your next chapter. You know why? Because every time they were around, they keep on talking you out of what I have talked you into. Y'all not talking to me tonight. Every time they're around, listen, I've talked you into living a, living a life of purity, and they keep talking you out of it. I've talked to you, I've talked you into stop smoking weed, but they keep talking you out of it. I've talked to you to stop get drinking that alcohol, but they keep talking you out of it. I've talked you into throwing away your vibrator. Y'all not saying nothing, but they keep on talking you out of it. And because they keep talking you out of what I have talked you into, I have to leave this out of the next chapter of your life. Yeah. Yeah, I, I have to leave this particular group out. Because every single time these individuals are around, I'm hearing the conversation they're having behind your back. All right. I'm hearing the conversations that they're having behind your back. See, I think a lot of times we forget that we see to the corner. God sees around the corner. We see to the hill. God sees over the hill. We see this chapter. God sees every chapter. And God heard the conversations that they were having behind your back. And their loyalty should not require your presence. This is so good. You better ask Miriam. Listen. God, hold, God heard the stuff that you were talking to behind Moses' back. And so I'm going to handle you because I heard what you were saying behind that back. And I just believe that their loyalty should not require your presence. You had enough Judases for this particular season. And we've talked about this. Whenever a Judas shows up, it's because something in my life has to get on the cross. Something in my life has to die. But for your next season, I need you to be surrounded by loyalty. I need you to have people who are loyal to your oil. 
I like that. I, I need to have people in your life who are loyal to your assignment. And I heard the conversations that they were having behind your back, so I left them out of your next chapter. And I know it hurt, and I know you didn't like it, and I know it hurt the way that they left. But the reason I had to kick them out is because they kept on kicking me out. <laughs> the reason I had to kick them out is because they kept on kicking me out. Because I have called for your heart to be a throne and not a couch. I don't want to have to give you an instruction. See, because a couch is made for several people. A throne is made for one person. I don't want to have to give you a word and it has to filter through what they say, what your homie says, what your base says. I want to be able to, when I give you an instruction, your heart is a throne and I reign here. I rule here. Whatever I say goes. In a kingdom, what the king says goes. I don't want your heart to be a couch. I want your heart to be a throne. So guys, I listen. I have to leave that out. I know you're tired of the waves. I know you're tired of the thunder. I know you're tired of the wind. But if you want this to go, your Jonah has to go. This is so good, man. I understand that you want the storm to go. But if you want the storm to go, your Jonah has to go. And I feel as though the Spirit has led me here on the night to try to convince somebody, stop asking heaven to bless what hell sent. Stop asking heaven to bless what hell sent. Yes, the word of God does say, whatever God has put together, let no man separate. But a lot of this stuff that is being put together, God is not doing. Our flesh is. And I can't, I can't expect God to keep together what he didn't put together. Anytime, anytime... We consume things that God has deliberately left out. It will always cause us to experience soul poisoning. I'm trying to get us to understand this, man. I tried to get us to understand this in May. May of this year, I tried to get us to understand this. Listen, this may be shocking to you, but then confirmation for others. Anytime you have made your mind up to follow Jesus... Anytime you have made your mind up to be a follower of the way, whenever you have made your mind up and you have drawn a line in the sand of demarcation that I'm going to follow the Lord wholeheartedly, it always comes with a breakup and a life change, a breakup and a life change, a breakup and a life change, a life change and a breakup. No breakup, no life change. Life change, breakup. <laughs> because when your relationship with God changes... Your relationship with sin changes. Your relationship with God cannot change if your relationship with sin has not changed. When your relationship with God changes, your relationship with sin changes. When your relationship with God changes, the way you treat people changes. When your relationship with God changes, what you have been silent on changes. Because we cannot be a fearful church and lead a fearless generation. Preach Holy Spirit. I cannot be a fearful church and lead a fearless generation. Life change terrifies hell. Life change terrifies hell. And whenever we have had an authentic encounter with the king of glory, it would always be followed by a life change and a breakup. A breakup and a life change. A life change and a breakup. A breakup and a life change. Because closer comes with further. Please hear me. Closer comes with further. The closer I get to purpose, 
the further I get from distractions. And the further I get from distractions, the closer I get to focus. Life change and a breakup. Breakup and a life change. Life change and a breakup. Breakup and a life change. Y'all going to be hearing that all throughout the night. Life change and a breakup. Breakup and a life change. Life change and a breakup. No breakup, no life change. When a life change, there's a breakup that has to happen. There's a breakup that has to happen. One affects the other. And and I'm trying to get somebody to recognize, peradventure, you have been praying the wrong prayer. Perhaps you have been praying the wrong prayer. You have been praying, God, could you please calm this storm? But God is saying, okay, end it with Jonah. Listen, listen, all unmarried, I need all my singles to holler at your boy real quick. Listen, all unmarried people, could it be you're praying, God... Heal me of my headaches. And God is saying, okay, end it with Jonah. God, help me stop having panic attacks. God is saying, okay, end it with Jonah. God, help me with my anxiety. God is saying, okay, end it with Jonah. And Jonah is not always a person. It could be a perspective. Jonah is not always a person. It could be a preference. Jonah is not always a person. It could be an addiction. It could be a lazy trait. God Help me. I want to have control of my flesh. I don't want to keep sleeping with him. I don't want to keep sleeping with her. Okay. You want me to help you? End it with Jonah. End it with Jonah. See, listen, listen. If I can get you to have the discernment to identify Jonah at the dock. I'm trying so hard to stay calm. If I can get you to identify Jonah in the marina. If I can get you to identify Jonah at the bay. If I can get you to identify that this is a Jonah at the dock. You won't have to wait you get married to, to discover that you have a Jonah at sea. Oh, gosh. Listen, if I can get us to become people, will you pray at the dock? You fast at the dock. What is Jonah? Jonah is symbolic of somebody who is living in rebellion. If I can get you to understand this at the dock, if we could have you to pray at the dock, if you could cry out to God at the dock, if you could seek his face at the docks, I won't have to experience the collateral damage of their rebellion. This is so good, y'all. I won't have to experience being the collateral damage of their rebellion. And please listen, anybody who's watching this, I need you to write this down. If you're a note taker, write this down. Never feel guilty for severing a connection when it was God who handed you the scissors. That part, though. Never feel guilty for severing a connection when it was God who handed you the scissors. God heal me. Maybe God is saying, okay, it all starts with you ending it with Jonah. Your Jonah could be a porn addiction. Your Jonah could literally be a person. It could be a bae. It could be a girlfriend. Your Jonah could be alcohol. Whatever it is, maybe it's tied to the presence of Jonah on the boat of your heart. And a lot of us, instead of throwing overboard Jonah, we're throwing over cargo. (laughs) Oh, this is so good. And we live in this generation now where we desire relationships for sex and selfies. We, we, we want to be together for sex and selfies, not for sacrifice and kingdom advancement. And God is saying, if I can get you to understand that there's a bigger mission that I have for your life. Because listen, if you don't understand this, you will blame Jonah as a person on the board of your life to try to keep them 
from you experiencing your loneliness. But Jonah does not cure you from loneliness. All Jonah's presence does on the board of your heart is make you experience what they're attached to. They're attached to a storm. This is not even your problem. This sermon really is not even about Jonah. It's about the sailors who allow Jonah on their boat. (laughs) So a lot of us, the reason that you're going through this is because of who you have on the boat of your heart. Who you have on the boat of your heart. And just like you wouldn't drink poison because you're thirsty. I need you to stop using Jonah as an excuse for your loneliness. Okay? See, listen. Sometimes the problem is not always that we keep running into counterfeits. Sometimes the problem is not always we keep running into counterfeits. The problem is where we place them. Listen, what if I told you the issue is not who they are? The real issue is where they're placed. See, a parasite and a partner is not problematic if they're in my life. What makes them problematic is when in my heart, I place the parasite in the suite, but my partner in the basement. That's when it becomes problematic. I'm trying to get you to understand you're blaming the wrong person. What you need to be blaming is a discernment deficiency. I haven't discerned where to place this person. Discernment, one theologian puts it this way. Discernment is not being able to identify right from wrong. Discernment is being able to identify right from almost right. Yeah. And discernment is never married to judgmentalism. It's always married to your spiritual ability to test fruit. First Thessalonians, I want you to see this. This is so good, y'all. First Thessalonians chapter 5. Verse 21, it says, test some things. Is that what your Bible says? Test some things. Doesn't say that? Test all things. Hold fast to what is good. Obtain, abstain from every form of evil. Now listen, how can you hold fast to what is good if you don't know how to test? (laughs) Your ability... To be able to test fruit is tied to you being able to hold fast to something. Discernment is when I could tell that this is rotten without taking a bite. And unfortunately, a lot of us don't understand that something is rotten until after we tasted it. So good. And when you have discernment, you will live a life to where you never get bit by the same snake twice. So I need to bring this back to your remembrance. I need to bring this back to your remembrance. Come on back. I need to bring this back into your remembrance. We have people who fall in one of these categories. They're either a project, a pawn, a parasite, or a partner. Say it one more time. They're either either a project, a pawn, a parasite, or a partner. What is a project? All a project is is somebody, when y'all meet... Y'all are not looking to build a bond. You're looking where to place bricks. I'm not looking to do life with you. We're not building a bond. This is when we're placing bricks. There's just a reason God allowed us to cross paths. Maybe it's for an assignment. Maybe it's for a mission. The only reason you met this brother was to introduce him to another brother at your church that can increase his roar because we need more kingdom men in the earth who have a roar of faithfulness. That could be the only reason y'all met. This is not your bay. This is a project. 
The only reason you met her is because she needs to see that kings do exist. She doesn't believe that godly men still roam among us, and God wants you to be able to show her that godly men still exist who don't try to get in between your legs. No, she's not your wife. You're just an example of what godly men looks like because she has been discouraged that good men don't exist anymore. Kingdom men don't exist anymore. So I'm allowing her to discover you, not because you obey, but just to remind her I never, have had, I never run out of kingdom men. Ah, and if you don't understand this, you will confuse an assignment as an alignment. You will confuse an assignment as an alignment. This is not somebody we're building a bond with. This is just somewhat, This is just a person that I'm looking, where do I place bricks? That's it. Project. Now, a pawn is a little different. A pawn is always sent by the enemy to always disturb your inner me. Did y'all hear me? A pawn is always sent by the enemy to disturb your inner me, your inner peace, your inner joy. Now watch it. Listen, pawns usually, pawns usually always show up when we are exiting something or about to enter into something. Pawns always show up when we are exiting something. Or about to enter into something. They usually come when you're right on the verge of a breakthrough. Or usually when you just have got out of bondage. But here's the problem. Pawns always come in preference form. So it's hard to identify a pawn because it comes as what you want. This is so good, man. Projects, pawns, and the uh, third one, a parasite. Parasites drain you. They drain you. And the crazy thing, a lot of times, the parasitic people is our family. It's your ex. Y'all ever notice that, like, exes keep on coming back? <laughs> just, just parasitic. They drain you. They take the life from you. Parasitic relationships. And if you ever have wondered, why does it seem like exes keep coming back? It's because parasites live off of host. And when they're no longer with you, they're dying because you gave them life. They were surviving off of your welfare. They were surviving off of what you had. God, they were surviving on everything you had. And the reason they come back, I haven't found another host to attach to. And now we have to be careful because we're so quick to always say, yeah, that was parasitic. But if you have a parasite's nature, you can't let go of people who are trying to let you go. Because you're attached to them because you, you view them as giving you value. You view them as giving you worth. I have to attach to this host because they give me something. It's parasitic. It's almost like this movie I like, Lion King, right? You remember when Simba was hanging with Timon and Pumbaa and he was a Kuna Matata doing all that type of stuff, right? Then all of a sudden Nyla came along and then Nyla had a conversation with um, Simba. And then Timon and Pumbaa over there kind of tripping. They're like, I could see what's happening. And they don't have a clue. Who? They'll fall in love. And here's the bottom line. A trio's down to two. What, is, what are they saying? This boy done figured out who he was. And once he now recognizes that he has an assignment in the pride lands, I don't know if we could akuna matata anymore. Because usually when you discover who you are, you stop hanging out with meerkats and warthogs. Because real lions understand I eat meerkats and warthogs. But when you don't understand that you are a lion, you'll be eating bugs and maggots talking about akuna matata. Because when you don't understand who you are, they will always reduce you down to eat on their level. 
Parasites. Parasites. They hate to see you change because every time you change, you remove what y'all had in common. They hate to see you evolve because the more you evolve, the more we separate. The more you engage in your evolution, the more you separate from me. And I keep on trying to badmouth other people to you because I don't want you to hang around people who grow you because if they grow you, you'll leave me. I can see what's happening. <laughs> Last one, partners. Now, partners are assistants to your evolution. Ever since he or she has come into your life, you evolve even more. It's not as though you weren't evolving. You already were evolving, but they're just an assistant to your evolving. They're just an assistant to your evolution. It's almost like these are, type, these are relationships who are almost like an oil change. You already going, but we just want to keep your spirit lubricated. We just want to keep your commitment lubricated. We just want to keep your faithfulness lubricated. You are already doing it on your own, but I just want to add some oil to your life. Partners, we have to understand this because there are levels to this. Do you understand that you serve a God of levels? Did you hear me? You, you, you serve a God of levels. If you look back on who you were in 2019, November the 1st, and you look at who you are on November the 1st of 2020, and we don't see any massive difference, I have, I, you have to get to a place where you start to ask yourself, how much have I really submitted to the King of Glory? Because the King of Glory is a God of levels. He never lets you stay on a level longer than you have to unless he's doing maintenance. He's a God of levels, the God of progression, the God of forward motion. He specializes in advancement. But there are two problems. The first problem is God will do what we can't do, not what we won't do. Did y'all hear what I just said? God will do what you can't do, not what you won't do, because he is a leader and not a dragger. This is one of the massive differences between God and the enemy. The Lord knocks. The enemy bursts in. The Lord comes in by invitation only. The enemy comes in wherever there's an open door. And this is how we experience heaven in one area of our lives, but then hell in another area. Same life, different experience in different areas of our life. Why? Because we're selective with what room we allow the Lord to enter in. I'm preaching, man. So you're like, Jesus, come on, you can come in the living room. You got porphyry, it's nice. Your candle's lit. Come on in here. And Jesus like, okay, but I want to go back there. Don't, don't worry about my basement issue, Jesus. Don't worry about that. I haven't cleaned that up yet. Don't, don't, don't worry about my bedroom issue, Jesus. Don't, don't, don't bother that. God, don't, don't, don't worry about my basement, my attic issue. Don't, don't worry about that. God, don't worry about my finances. Don't tell me how to, how to give and how to live outside of myself for the benefit of others. Don't, don't touch that part. God, God, don't, don't, don't touch my preference. You know I like them. Six feet with a six-pack and make six figures. <laughs> Without them sixes, you might end up with the devil. God, don't, don't, don't bother that. Don't bother that area. Leave, leave that alone. Don't, don't bother the part that, you know, I, I'm still upset about what my dad said, and I'm claiming to be a Christian, but I haven't let that go, what they did. Don't bother that. And God, listen, God is a leader, not a dragger. And so whatever room we don't allow the Lord in is a permission slip where we give hell to wreak havoc in. God is a leader, not a dragger. So if you want to live in bondage, I'll let you live on the level that you set up for. If you want to live in bondage, I'll let you live in bondage. But if you cry out for deliverance, I'll send you a Moses. 
if you want to go to the promised land, I'll send you to the promised land. But if you want to reflect on what you had in Egypt and keep on rehearsing and romanticizing the memory but forgetting the hangover, if you want to keep talking about how good Jonah is to you, I'll let you experience a storm that's not even yours. I'll let you live on whatever level you settle for. Now, it's not my will that you stay on level six. It's just that you can't get over what happened in level five. And if you don't let go of what happened on level five, bitterness has a way of changing your flight plans from nonstop to layover. Woo! Bitterness has a way of changing your plans from nonstop to layover. I don't want you to stay here. But I refuse to let you fly with hazardous material because I love you and I love them too much to let you try to fly with explosive material. And bitterness is explosive. This is why some of us, it feels like people in your life keep passing you by because God's spiritual TSA is saying you can't fly with that Jonah. Nope, you can't fly with that Jonah. You have something on board of your heart and you can't take that with you. I, I, don't, I don't want you to stay on level six. But if you want to breastfeed, level five bitterness, I'll let you stay on the level of your breastfed baby. But I want you to go to level six. That's the first problem. The first problem is God will do what we can't do, not what we won't do. The second problem is we let people, this one really bothers me, we let people determine and dictate what level we go to. <laughs> Where they do that at, though? We let people determine and dictate what level we go to. So you could be on level 10 and God is molding you and he's constructing you and he's building you. But a fine man from level three comes in the room. A fine woman from level three comes in the room and the spirit realm, you can't see their level. You just know you're tired of being on level 10 and you have called it stuck, but really God, but really God will call it stable. <laughs> you're not really stuck. You're stable. Not because I'm punishing you, but because I'm building you. And you leave level 10 and you go down to somebody with level 3 and then you're praying for God to bless it. <laughs> God, was wrong with him? Why won't he change? Why won't she act right? Truth is, maybe they never were right. God, why is this happening? How did I end up here? It's because you left level 10. <laughs> for somebody on level 3. And this is why I believe Proverbs chapter 3 verse 6 tells us, listen. In all your ways, acknowledge me. But the part we, over, we skip over is, all the, in all your ways, acknowledge me, and I will direct your paths. Pray before you entertain this, because prayer reveals ponds from partners. Lord, have mercy. Pray, because prayer exposes hooks. She might be fine, but there's a hook in it. He might be fine, but there's a hook in it. And I don't want you to bite it, get reeled in and filleted on the shore, and then you discover, oh, my God, there was a hook in this. Prayer exposes hooks. There might be more money making this, might be more money into this, but all money isn't good money. There's a hook in this. This might seem like a good opportunity, but there's a hook in this. This may seem like a good deal, but there's a hook in this. Pray so that I can direct your paths. <laughs> I can direct your paths. I said this so many times, but I want us to understand this. Our life is like an elevator. God has pre-programmed for you and I to go to the top. But you're going to have to go through floors before you get there. You, you, see, get this. You cannot get to the promised land without going through the wilderness. You don't become King David without first being Shepherd David. 
You can't be crowned until you have been crossed. There are levels to this, and you have to go through every single level. Now, how an elevator works is there are people who are going to come in your life, and there are people who are going to walk out of your life. What Jerry has personally learned, when people walk out, don't hold the door open button. I need to say that again. Don't hold the door open button. Let them go. Let them go. The more you're sitting there holding the button so that they can come on back, come on, listen, I'll change, come on back. You're wasting your uptime. You're wasting time because you're trying to get them to come back. How an elevator works, people have to come in and people have to get off. Listen, if you don't let them off, elevators have something called a weight capacity. And you'll wonder why it seems like we're not moving to level seven. It's because your life right now is too heavy because you have people level one through level seven with you so that there are God-ordained people who are supposed to come in your life at level 12. But if you never let go of the level one through 11 people with you, by the time you get to level 12, you have no space to receive the blessing because you still have all the people who God said, throw this overboard, throw that overboard, this addiction overboard, that thought pattern overboard. I need you to let that go because you're pre-programmed to go to the top. This is so good, y'all. Pre-programmed to go to the top. Jonah, here's an instruction from the Lord. Jonah hears an instruction from the Lord. It says, Jonah, this is Jonah chapter 3. He tells him, I need you to go to Nineveh. But Jonah is like, listen, I, I'm, I'm not going to Nineveh because Nineveh, the Assyrians, were bullies to my people. It's almost like somebody did your family wrong. And God is saying, hey, go tell them to repent or else judgment is going to come. You're probably like, I'm not going to tell them to repent because I want judgment to come because they did me dirty. They did me some type of way, and I'm feeling some type of way, so God go handle it. God is saying, listen, go and tell them to repent. Verse 3, it says, but Jonah ran away. Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. I don't want you to miss this. Look, he went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for the port. After paying the fare, he went aboard. A lot of us just breeze past that part. Joppa, where he found a ship bound for the port, after paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish. You're always going to pay for it when you go the opposite direction of the Lord. So I believe this dude's like, okay. <laughs> I know this ain't his big boat, you know, like Jonah had. He's like, okay, I'm done. I'm going to go ahead I'm going to Joppa. I'm chilling. I'm chilling. I ain't going to do none of this stuff. I got issues with them. They did my people wrong. They did my people foul. I'm chilling. Verse 4 says, Then the Lord sent a great windstorm on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break it up. So I believe there in this ship, Jonah's sleep, right? Jonah's not paying any attention. <laughs> He's sleeping, and this ship just. <laughs> just going. And everybody, I'm like, how can you sleep through this, bro? And they're like, okay, um, something's not right because God always gives us red flags in the form of turbulence. God always gives us red flags in the form of turbulence. And a lot of us, somebody right now, you're watching this message. And the person that you're with, they sleep and they chilling. But in the spirit, you're like this. Something's not right. <laughs> and it's like this ship is threatening to break up because God is showing this ship threatening to break up. It's probably what you need to do for real. Break up. 
Because if you don't break up, the rest of your day is going to look like this. <laughs> so bring my cargo. I'm just sitting here. I imagine I'm trying to bring the Bible to life. So these dudes are in the boat. Jonah is asleep. So this is going to be symbolic. Slide it down just a little bit. This is going to be symbolic of your joy, right? Jonah's on board, and I'm like, okay. Uh, man, he's so fine. He just understands me. We just get along so well. He's known me from high school. I'm so familiar with them. And so now I have to choose between Jonah and the cargo of peace. Because I want Jonah so bad. I'm in the Bible, y'all. Look at this. I'm in the Bible. What verse we at? Um, verse, verse, verse 4. Then the Lord sent a great windstorm on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break it up. All the sailors were afraid. Each cried out to his own God, and they threw cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. This is the stuff that they need. I need this. I need my joy. I need my sleep. I need my confidence. Jonah's on board. We rocking. And instead of me throwing Jonah over, I'm going to throw over my peace. Oh my <laughs> I'm going to throw over my confidence. Oh my I'm going to throw over my standards. So what you're going to do is you're going to throw over your faith because you want Jonah so bad, you don't know if God's going to send you a right man, so you're going to entertain a right now man. Lord have mercy. Let's keep reading the Bible. Let's just keep reading. Uh, let's hop down to verse 11. Verse 11 says, the sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, what should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? Pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know this is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Have y'all ever been with somebody and they tell you, I'm no good for you? Are you too good for me? They telling you, you going through all of this because you keeping me. They're like telling you, hey, man, it's my fault. My bad. And look what the text says. Look, 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 what, they, look what they did. Okay. Verse um, 13, it says, instead, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew even wilder than before. Hmm. Verse 14. Then they cried out to the Lord, please, Lord, do not let us die. For taking this man's life, do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, Lord, have done as you pleased. So, so the, these, brothers, these brothers are sitting here in this boat, and they're in this predicament where they're like, okay, we're trying to keep them. We threw over our cargo. That's the stuff we needed. Now, the Bible says the ship threatened to breaking up. So I, I'm not even bothering the part that once they threw Jonah overboard, you're left with the collateral damage of him being on your boat. I don't even know, were y'all able to make it to Joppa? Because who you had on your boat did so much damage. Who you had in that relationship did, relationship did so much damage that I don't even know if we can make it to Joppa. So I may have to go back to Nineveh anyway because I had somebody on board who was not even supposed to be on board. Now I have all of these broken wood. I have all these nails coming up because I threw my cargo overboard instead of throwing over Jonah. Let's look at this. Point number one. How do you identify a Jonah in your life? It's a person who lives in rebellion. 
It's a person who lives in rebellion. Never, never hang with somebody who lives where you fail. This person lives in rebellion. And whenever you entertain a person who lives in rebellion, you're harboring a fugitive. God is trying to get his man. Now, I want you to see this. Let's go to verse 7. Um, let's go to verse 7. Verse 7 says, Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, Tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? For what are your people? Okay. Oh, this is about to be heavy. Y'all ready for this? Ladies, it's too late to have an interview after he's entered you. Why are you having an interview after he has entered you? These are questions we should ask from the point, bruh. Ma'am, these are questions. Where you come from? What's your name? Who are your people? Before you get on my boat, I need to know who sent you. Because now, once I'm experiencing the storm of your attachment, I want to know all about you. Why don't you ask that in the beginning? Maybe it's because sometimes we get so desperate that we don't want to ask questions because we'd rather post a selfie if I have somebody in my boat now. Oh, I feel like this hurts. But I'm trying to help somebody. <laughs> like, where you come from? Why are you having an interview after instead of before? Ask questions before. Now, look, look, look. It says, after he told them all this stuff, says, they were terrified. And they said, what have you done? This is verse 10. They were terrified. What have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because, look at this, y'all. He already told them so. Hmm. <laughs> so now I'm asking myself the question. As I was studying, I was like, okay, why are you acting confused? And this brother told you at the dock, hey, man, I'm running from the Lord. And then you go to him and you're like, hey, bro, uh, where you from? <laughs> where you from? And then I asked myself the question. I said, I wonder if this is why they didn't throw Jonah over sooner. And maybe this is why they kept him so long. Because in verse 3, it tells us Jonah paid a fare. I'm not going to throw you over because you gave me something. I'm not going to end this relationship because you gave me status on social media. And I want everybody to think that we're still doing well. And I don't want to throw you over because you gave me something. You gave me money to take you to Joppa. And if I throw you overboard and if I have to take you back, I possibly lose the money. He told them so. Point number one, live in rebellion. Point number two, how do you identify a Jonah? It's when you're woke, excuse me, but they're asleep. So anytime somebody sends you like a text like, hey, babe, I'm, I'm coming over, I'm coming through. Uh, you can go ahead and make me something to eat and make sure you slide into something comfortable. Why don't you be confident enough to hit that brother with this type of message? Uh-oh, I'm sorry. You asked for a wifey level request. I need you to hang up, pray and ask God for confirmation. And if he gives you a confirmation, please place a, ringer, uh, a ring on the fourth finger to the left. Until then, no access granted. And then first of all, if he feels comfortable enough to call you, to tell you to slide into something comfortable, maybe the issue is you looking at Jonah like he cute. All right. <laughs> Number three, you have to choose between them and cargo. God is never going to send you somebody that takes you further from himself. 
And anytime you have to choose between obeying God and keeping Jonah, it's a red flag. Number four, waves. Waves. I believe God provides turbulence when we go the wrong way. This little old boat right here, this is like a rafting, fishing in a bay type boat. Jerry's a type of individual. First of all, I'm going to look at the weather before I get on the water, right? But if I get on the water, the first time I hear, boom, I'm going right back to shore. How many claps of thunder does God have to give you? How many waves have to hit your boat until you recognize this is something that heaven hasn't endorsed? I'm thinking these brothers, when you first start, when you first saw the clouds getting dark, when you first felt that, that wind blowing, that probably would have been a sign to me something is not right. Now, I want you to get this. These are men who don't even know God, but they know that this storm is spiritual. They know that what's going on now is spiritual because they're asking him all these questions. Where are you from? Who you serve? Who are your people? These men worship other gods. But when, this storm had to be so bad where they recognized this is not a natural storm. This is something spiritual. And I wonder how many more people have to get you to understand that what you're going through is not natural. This is a spiritual attack. This is a spiritual distraction. When God lets the thunderclap and the wave hit, take notice of it. And the last point, we'll end with this. After it ends, you're closer to God. Verse 16 says, At this, the men greatly feared the Lord. Not their gods. Greatly feared the Lord and offered sacrifices to the Lord. And look at this, y'all. Made vows to him. These boys was like, okay. Whoever this dude God is, I've never seen a storm like this, and this has my attention. I need to change my life, and I need to make vows to God. This message is not even about Jonah, y'all. This is about the sailors. And I want you to be able to understand sometimes Jonah leaving your life has got you closer to God. You possibly wouldn't be watching this message if it wasn't for that breakup. You wouldn't be praying the way you're praying if it wasn't for that breakup. If it wasn't for all that turbulence that came from what you went through, you possibly wouldn't even be seeking God like that. And now these brothers are like, listen, I don't know who this, who this dude is, but his Lord is God. God is real, and I'm going to make vows to him. And my challenge for you on the night, who have you let on the boat of your heart? And are you throwing over your cargo? to keep a Jonah or would you trust God enough to recognize this is not the will of God for my life and I'm going to make a vow God for the rest of my days I will not allow a Jonah on the board of my heart without praying first to you in the docks so God would you give us discernment touch our hearts so that we don't have to deal with storms that aren't ours we have enough that we're dealing with already we're trying to detox from stuff that we've done already god please give us the discernment to recognize when somebody else is bringing chaos to the waters of our life because we never want to entertain something that hasn't been sent by you heighten our discernment deepen our roots in you in jesus name we pray amen